0: Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. For the last three weeks, today is week four, we've been speaking um, on this topic called Surrounded. We want to aim to a place where we can encounter God every day of our lives. And this whole series and this whole sermon series was all about the presence of God and the importance of God's presence in our lives. And I hope by now that as we've gone through the first three weeks, that something started to drop in your heart as we see the importance of, of the presence of God in our lives. Sometimes we as Christians, it may, we make it very difficult for ourselves. I want to feel holy and be holy before God will come. But he's here all the time. His presence is constant. It is just our awareness of His presence that changes, depending on your emotions. Today I'm ending with our series called Surrounded. And how many of you know that it's easy to feel surrounded by life? It's easy, isn't it? I mean, there's stuff in your, in your life, even now that we're ending, coming to the end of the year. And uh, man, I don't know about you, but everything feels that it's happening at once. As everything just wants to. I think when Stellenbosch smells December, everybody wants to go on holiday and everything shuts down at once. And there's so many things at once happening. But sometimes in life we are surrounded by dangers. You're surrounded by pressures. You're surrounded by enemies. You're surrounded by unrealistic expectations in our life. But we are surrounded by stuff. Feeling surrounded is sometimes a feeling that overwhelms us. I don't know about you. When you're surrounded by so many things and you don't know where to run to. And you know what? It's overwhelming and it's draining in our lives. But here's the truth. We are surrounded. But we are surrounded by God all the time. We are surrounded by Him. It is a totally different way than the world surrounds us. But it is the one thing that we need to take note of. That God surrounds us. Listen to this promise. I love this. In Psalm 125, verse 5, Ach, verse 2, it says, As the mountains surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. So when David wrote this, he said, As the mountains in, in, in Jerusalem, it, they say there's a mountain ranges around the city of Jerusalem. So David used this reference says that as the mountain ranges and surrounds Jerusalem, so will God's presence surround us now, but into eternity. So no matter what you face in your life, what you go through in your life, you are surrounded by his presence. But see, mountains all also are prophetic. It's a prophetic declaration and refers prophetically to the presence of God. So as, as David said this, he says that as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so God's will surround you. God's presence is real in your life. And I spoke about it last week, but we're waiting for the feeling of God's presence to come in. I maybe need to shake a little bit, or feel the goosebumps. Or, But not always. God is there all the time. He's all the time. In the toughest of our toughest moments, in the most celebrative moments in our lives, God is there. Now, like mountains surrounding a city God surrounds his people. He surrounds us with his love, he surrounds us with his forgiveness, he surrounds us with his strength. Whatever you need in that moment, God's surrounding you with that and with his presence. Now just think about it. We we live in a fantastic town here with mountains surrounding us on one side at least. But how often do mountains move? How often do mountains change or leave? Never. <laughs> I've never seen a mountain. Oh, the mountain was. Did the mountain. No, the mountain never moves, it's always there. And that's how God's presence is in our lives. It never changes. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He loves us. Now, today I want to look at something else. Last week I spoke about King Solomon. And I want to speak about one of probably one of the most powerful, significant leaders in the Bible today called Moses. Now, Moses, let me go back. David said in, in Psalm 125, he gave us a promise of God's presence. Now, Moses came and he said, Listen, I'm not happy with just the promise, I want more. I'm going to show it to you this morning. Now, looking at the church in general, and I'm not just talking about our church, I'm talking about the church in general. I've been in a, a part of churches for the last 30 years, and um, 25 of them were full-time in ministry. And, and I've seen how the patterns in church work. But there's only two kinds of people in church. Those who see God for what He can do for them, and those who see God for who He is. Two kinds of people. And you can decide in what group are you, and I think some of us waver. Sometimes we're there and sometimes we're here. But that's how people focus, and that's how they see God nowadays. Lord, what can you do for me? Or Lord, I want to know who you are. I want to see your character, your presence more in my life. Now in the first sermon I spoke to spoke about Moses, and we, we looked at Moses at the burning bush. Remember that? How he walked in the... In, in, in the desert and far off he saw a bush that was burning and he saw man I want to go and see why this bush is not burning up and as he turned to walk towards God saw he was coming and then God spoke to him and in that moment Moses had a defining moment he had a defining moment of his life and I don't know if you had defining moments that spearheaded your life into a direction that was a moment that Moses had in his life. Immediately God shifted everything in Moses' life and catapulted it into his calling. And at that defining moment in his life, God gave him a promise, but he didn't just give him a promise, he gave him a purpose to fulfill. And what was that purpose? He was called to lead Israel into their breakthrough. Right into their breakthrough. Israel was under, slave, was under slavery for over 400 years. That means that some people were born and died under slavery. Never knew the promises of God. Heard about it, stories, but never knew it. And God said, Moses, this is your time. I want you to go and free two million people out of the hands of the most powerful nation in the world. Think about Talk about insecurity right there. So what did Moses do? He went to Egypt. That's a long story. But he went to Egypt. And what did he do? Immediately he went to the elders... Of Israel and he shared with them the vision and the calling and the purpose that God has given him and look what the people did look what they did this is powerful oh so the topic of my sermon today (laughs) is a passion for his presence a passion for his presence so let's read Exodus 4 verse 29 to 31 it says then Moses and Aaron Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. They didn't think about it. They didn't go and pray about it. They were convinced that God has sent them. When they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped them. Think about it, 400 years, and suddenly God shows up with a man who was an Egyptian. and they didn't realize that God, man, He always thought about us. They bow down and worship. But right after this, what did Moses and Aaron do? They turned around and they went to Pharaoh. and they shared the same thing with Pharaoh and said, "Listen, this is what God says. let my people go." So what does Pharaoh do? Pharaoh turned around, mocked. Moses and Aaron, he mocked the God of Moses and Aaron, he mocked the little signs that God gave, which was not little signs, it was quite miraculous. And then Pharaoh turned around and he did the following. He said, load them down with more work, make them sweat, that will teach them to listen to lies. So Pharaoh (laughs) said, listen, these guys are playing around. Send the soldiers to give them more work. So he, the soldiers went out and they loaded the Israelites up with more work. and said, listen, they needed grass, straw, to make bricks with. said, I'm not going to give you the straw anymore. Go and find your own straw. But you still have the same quota of bricks that you have to perform. I mean, these guys were in a flat spin. And the soldiers were whooping the leaders, the foremen, because the work couldn't get done because they had to now go out into the land to go and find straw. So what happened? The elders and the foremen came back to Moses <laughs> and they said the following to him. They said, may the Lord judge and punish you. Woo, this uh, Think about this. You are a man of God. God comes burning bush moment, mighty, glorious moment. And in this moment... He goes out, he was obedient, he goes, he says to them, listen, this is what God says, they bow down, they worship, all are excited, they're singing songs, they go to Pharaoh, and what does Pharaoh do? Now, well, i give you more work. Come, you want to moan? And they, these guys come, and they curse Moses. They say, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. <laughs> you have put a sword into their hands. and and an excuse to kill us. These guys were not happy. Now, when I read this this weekend, I read this and I realized something. This is exactly how it happens in our lives. How many times before the greatest breakthrough in your life that the suffering increases? Every time. The greatest breakthrough in your life, if you think about it, Lord, I've been praying for this breakthrough, and God comes, prophetic word, whatever, in your life, and He comes with a promise. Whoo! I'm excited. Lord's going to do amazing things. And then suddenly, boop, more increase, uh, the increase of more issues, more troubles, more suffering. I said, But Lord, where are you now? You promised that two days ago. And suddenly I'm hitting all these tough spots. It's as if the enemy knows, man, God is about to let the truth out. God is about to kick our behind. So let's try to do as much oppressive stuff as we can before we bit the dust. But you know what Moses did? He just kept on looking at the promise. He never wavered. He kept on looking. People were cursing him, judging him. I mean, his own people, Pharaoh. And he just looked at God and said, Lord, you gave the promise. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to turn around. I'm not going to look at another place. I'm going to look at you. And he engaged Pharaoh every day until the Passover moment. Where they had to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the, the doorposts, And God's presence came through and killed all the firstborn sons in Egypt. And in that moment, Pharaoh was over it. He said, take your stuff and go. Go. Just go. And do you know what they did? They left joyfully with singing and praising. And by the way, they were free, but suddenly wealthy. From slavery to free to suddenly wealthy. Look at what happened. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed them. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. And the Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. (laughs) We all know the story, but just let it sink in a bit. These guys went from slaves, nothing, to free men and women and wealthy. God came and He did a miracle. From poor slaves to free men, but wealthy free men. Isn't God amazing? Man. Now these guys were celebrating and singing All the way, and after a few days, they arrived at the border. Red Sea. We all know the story. And they realized, ooh, how are we going to get over the Red Sea? And as they turned around, they saw Pharaoh's men with chariots. Now, a chariot in that time was like the tanks in our time. Those guys were ruthless. I mean, those guys were trained to take out hundreds of men in one chariot. And here comes Pharaoh with all these chariots, in the whole of Egypt. We're going to take out two million slaves. These guys dishonored us. And and suddenly, (laughs) I mean, looking at the response of the Israelites, that was quite funny. Now remember, these guys just saw ten of the mightiest miracles the world has ever seen. Then they were freed from the mightiest nation in the world's hands as slaves. They became wealthy, more wealthier than the people that encaptured them and listen to their reply. Exodus 14 verse 11, didn't we tell you, Moses, that, that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone, let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. So what does God do? Interesting. God, amazing God, merciful God, He's merciful, and He saves them. And He not just saves them, He destroys the whole Egyptian army. And as these people walk through that sea with waters, I mean, I think if you stand in this hall, probably water was probably as high as these this walls, probably higher. Walking through it, getting wet, I mean seeing the miracle, living the miracle, walking through, and as they turn around on the other side they saw the water closes, and how God just annihilates all that chariots and war machines and soldiers in one instant. So what would their response? Suddenly, man, they they started celebrating and singing and dancing. They, the, the, the scripture says in some historical artifact says that 800,000 women started dancing and singing with tambourines. 800,000 women at once started singing. And if you go to Exodus 15, you'll see the songs that they sang. Just think about that picture. So many of them singing joyfully to God because they realized suddenly... Everything was cut off. There's no more slavery. That's why baptism is so powerful. Because when you baptize, they say when the Israelites walked through that water, they were physically wet. It was almost like a baptism into the new covenant, which was then later a lawful covenant. But, but they, and then what God does with baptism, He cuts your, 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 um, your past off immediately. All the sin, all the stuff that came to kill you and keep you back, He cuts it off. And that's why we were singing and exuberantly full of joy, because God has just turned the page. So what happened next? They turned and they walked into the desert. And listen, they were just singing and dancing. And three days into the desert, they got hungry. So what happened? Exodus 16. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Here Moses gets it again. Moses, your fault. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. They complained. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Isn't that amazing? Now looking at this story, and we can go on and on, and I know I shared a story that we all know. But if you go through the story, you see a pattern. Do you see the pattern? You see a pattern, and let me just give you the pattern. These guys were happy as long as God was doing what they wanted, when they wanted it. And they were unhappy if God wasn't doing what they want, when they wanted it. So what was the basis of their belief? Think about it. Remember the two groups of people in church? The basis of their belief in God centered around the following. What is better for me? What is better for me? If I need it, I want it. I need the comfort. And as we continue to read through this book of Exodus, we keep on seeing the same pattern. (laughs) We see the same thing happen over and over. God started killing them because of the law. As soon as that law, the Ten Commandments, were written The next day, 300,000 people died because that's how bad the law was. If you're obedient, you live. If you're disobedient, you die. Thank God that Jesus came and annihilated the law for us. You see, that was the basis of their belief. Now, when we entertain this thought, this value in our lives that, man, what is better for me? If we start entertaining that thought in our lives, you know what happens? It keeps us from an intimate moment with Him. You know, it keeps us from a place and it causes us to miss God's presence in our lives. Because it's all about me. It's all about me. I want it better. Why don't you do quiet time? No, but I don't have a lacquered like, chair to sit in. Or I don't pray because it's too noisy in my home. Or I don't do this because it's, it's not better for me. So let's put the people's reaction This pattern that we see in contrast with Moses' reaction. You want to see that? And this is where it gets interesting. Hebrews 11 verse 24. It says the following. And the writer writes about Moses. He says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting Pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to what? His great reward. Now that's very important for this morning. Firstly, as we see, if we go back, what did he do? Moses chose. He chose. He chose this suffering. He chose the oppression. And he didn't choose the the riches of Egypt. Now the people of Israel suffered, but they didn't get to choose. I think if God gave them a choice, they probably would have been straight back to Egypt. But Moses made a choice. He made a significant choice. You see, Moses didn't come and just choose suffering because he liked to suffer? (laughs) How many of us choose suffering just because we like to suffer? Nobody. He didn't just do that. What did Moses do? Moses chose this road that led to the great reward. And it just happens on this road that there would be some suffering. But his focus was on the great reward. Some people will go out and try to suffer to earn God's approval but that's just religious but a true believer would just follow god's ways lord i want to seek you because i want to know you more and those ways because you see sometimes there's a sinful this is we live in a sinful fallen world and there is suffering that goes along with it but our focus is lord i want to know more about you my focus is on you i'm not going to just suffer to get in your good books that's religious So the question is here, what is the great reward? You're thinking about that. Think about it. What would be so incredible for for Moses to say, I will choose this suffering because I want that reward. What would be so great? Now let's look at it. Exodus 33. And here we see the answer. The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I sought to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I told them, I will give this land to your descendants. And I will send an angel before you before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Pesanites, all the parasites, and go up to this land that flows with milk and honey. But then he says, and this is important, he says, but I will not travel among you. For you are a stubborn, the other scriptures, other translations say a stiff-necked people and a rebellious people. If I did go with you, I would surely destroy you along the way. (laughs) So God said to Moses, move the people to your promised land and I will give you a choice angel, a warrior angel that will go with you and destroy all your enemies. Problem solved. Just, you can go. But then he said, oh yes, and, and sorry, uh, I'm not going with you. Because I will take you out. Because of your, your complaining, your mourning. Because of, now I'm celebrating, now I'm moaning. I can't take that. Now just imagine God said this to Israel. Think about it. Not Moses, just came to Israel and said, listen, I'm giving you a choice. I'm giving you a warrior angel. Take out all the parasites as you go. All the ites. And you just need to go to the land of milk and honey. Your promised land's waiting. There you go. What would they do? They would say, thank you very much. Party time. Let's go. That's what the Israelites would have done. But not Moses. Look at Moses' reaction. Verse 15 and 16. It says, Then he said to him, If your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except if you go with us? So let's look at it again. He says, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. Where is here? Think about it. Where is here that he's referring to? He's referring to the desert, the place of suffering, because they're still there. Now, let us think, think about this for a moment, for just for a moment. A desert is not a fun place to be in. I don't know if you've been uh, camped in a desert, or just there's nothing around you, man's from Namibia, there's nothing. It's not a fun place to go and sit there for a few hundred years, or a few years. And we always say it was amazing for God provided manna for them. It's amazing. But can you imagine eating bread for a full solid year? No dessert, nothing else, no, not even a little bit of butter and jam, nothing, just bread. bread. Take it or leave it. And only for today because tomorrow's will come again. And it's amazing, it's a miracle, but think about it. Just think how dull and depressive, depressive that environment started becoming. How many of us would start to murmur and moan? Like, ugh, bread again. Come on. Moses, where's this God that you. So we always think, oh, these people they're moaning, can they just see it?" But put yourself in their position. So Moses, he comes. And he says, if I could choose, he says, I would rather stay in these conditions with your presence than go to the milk and honey without your presence. See, Moses says that if I could choose, I would rather have your presence without your promise than your promise without the presence. Do you get that? Moses says, I would rather stay in this stupid desert with the bread and everything, and I would have your presence with me than the cool promise that you've promised us. I would rather have this. You see, Israel sought God for what he could do, but Moses sought God for who he was. Moses' reward was different than Israel's reward. See, their reward was a better lifestyle. Moses' reward was the manifest presence of God. That makes me think every time I read this and I realize, Lord, do I look at life like Moses looked at life? Moses saw a reward. Am I seeing the same reward in my life? See, there's so many Christians that's doing big things in ministry, in business. And you know what? they're unsatisfied why because they're chasing after success they're chasing after big ministries or big businesses or big things so that i can be well known and do amazing stuff but then we see believers that who's pursuing successful life ministries businesses and you know what they're fully satisfied why because their success lies in the presence of god in their lives in their ministries, in their businesses, in the place where God has called you to be, they are satisfied because of God's presence in and through their lives. See, there's even individual ministries and businesses who, who don't have huge, huge successes. Don't. And they are satisfied because their great reward is the manifest presence of God. And I always say to myself, I dream of a big church. Any pastor do. And I was prepping this and I, I realized and I said, Lord, I would rather have a small church and have your manifest presence in our midst. To know God is here with us. To see people change. To encounter God in a deep way every time we in worship, we're in prayer. Than a massive church of thousands of people. Have a TV ministry and a this ministry and that. I would rather have your presence. See, the secret in life is not how much success we have or how many material possessions we have. It all comes down to this. What are we pursuing in life? What are we pursuing? God always promises success to us, always. No matter what you do, where you, what you take on, God promises success. But success to God is just our obedience. I just want you to be obedient in what I'm calling you into. If it's big, small, no matter what you do, just be obedient. That's what he said to Moses. And Moses got this. I remember my first year in ministry. (laughs) I wanted to be, I emulated and I looked up to this massive, amazing pastors that I knew. And they had big churches and amazing ministries. And man, they traveled the world. And they, I mean, it's just Incredible. Send out hundreds on missions, and I always emulated that. And I thought, man, I want to be that successful in life. But you know what? I kept it kept kicking the wind out of my sails. <laughs> I could never find that success. Until one day, I remember I was uh, I was doing a school of ministry for six months. We were living in Pine, Pine here. Um, there was thirteen guys in the house. I told this before, and and. And we had, from, a, from some of our amazing best leaders in the in in nation, coming in to disciple some of our men. So 13 guys, each of us, two-two, got an incredible leader that walked with us for six months. And for five of that six months, that leader, we had an amazing leader. He just spent time with a guy with me. Just, just him and, and I just sat in the sessions and he never never gave any attention to me, never talked to me, never prayed with me. Said, oh, Henny, next week we might come to you. And then after five months, man, I was really offended. I was super offended. I was like, I drove home and I was literally crying my heart out. And I said, Lord, why, why do you, don't you do you give me an opportunity to be mentored by this amazing man? And he always just choose this guy. This, actually a friend of mine, we were two-two together. He now planted a church in Paris, France. We speak weekly. But and I loved my friend, but I was so offended because this leader didn't speak into my life. How can he just make if I'm not there? So I sometimes wanted to put my hand up, said, are you gonna give me ten minutes today? Mm-hmm. And I remember I stopped at home and I just took my little NIV Bible that I had and I just stormed out of the house and I, I walked up then pilots. this a little um, what do you call a storm drain thing that you can walk along and it's quite nice. And um, I just walked up there and there was a little bench and I sat there and I cried. and I was so mad at the situation and God spoke to me clearly in that moment. He clearly spoke to me and he said the following, he said, go to Galatians 1. I was like, okay. And I opened my Bible to Galatians 1 verse 10. It says the following, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in that moment, I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Immediately, I turned on my knees and I repented. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry that it was all about me. I wanted a better situation. But I know that you are working a plan in my life. And in this moment, Lord, I'm changing my perspective from me to you. In this moment. I'm not going to drive everything for success in life. But I'm going to look at you and what you do in my life, Father. See, God longs for us to have a passion for his presence. He just wants us. Yes, he's got amazing Promises and he wants us to be successful in life, but he wants us first. Moses's focus was more on God than the people he had a calling to lead. He was more on God than anything else. No matter what your calling and your job, and may God be more than anything in our lives. See, sometimes our calling gets first place, and God gets a good second. But we need to intentionally shift that around in our lives to say, Lord, you are number one. Even in your marriage, I said to my wife, God is always number one. You are very good second. (laughs) But I I believe it's the same with you. I don't want to be number one. I need you to make God number one in your life so that I can be a good number two. Because I know the... The meaning of making God our true focus in life. See, as Christians, we must know that trying to do life without knowing and longing to know God is like having a promise without the guy who gave the promise, without the promise keeper, the the promise giver. You see, I, in that moment when I was sitting there and I was crying, I was looking for a reward from my leaders in my life. I was just looking for a reward, and God was just teaching me that I was looking in the wrong direction. And what direction are you looking to today? What direction are you focusing for the more in life, for the reward that Moses spoke about? Is your reward to be better, in a better position in life? Or is your reward to, Lord, I want more of you. I want to know you. I want to actually have an intimate relationship with you, Father God see, we need His presence more than any ministry and any business success or any success in our lives. We need His presence. We need more of Him in our lives. And if we don't get this truth down, if we don't get this truth that His presence is more important than anything else in our lives, man, we will then be an up-and-down Christian like the Israelites, One minute you're praising God, next minute, where is God when I need Him? I don't want to be an up and down Christian, I don't know about you. I want to be a Christian that focuses on, on the presence and the reward that God gives, because I love Him, and my focus is on Him every minute of every day. And you know what? God doesn't even judge you when you're an up and down Christian. He still loves us. He still encourages us but He truly wants us to draw close to Him so so that He can draw close to us. See, when we have a passion to find God, He will find us and He will manifest His presence, make His presence known in our lives. And He wants to be in our lives and through our lives. Touch people around you. So I want to end this series and I want to end today and I want to encourage Encourage each and every one of us to go and think about this lord what is my what is my soul purpose am i seeking you just for what you can do in my life or am i truly seeking you for who you are and if i want to seek you for who you are but i don't know how to go and ask him go and sit In his presence, go and sit in a quiet room. Open your Bible and say, Lord, here's the Bible. I have no idea where to go and what to read. Lord, but I trust that you are great and almighty. I know you will show me whatever I need to be shown today. But the one thing that that struck me through this whole story about Moses, God never, never judged the people because of Moses' dedication and love for him. When God said, I'll send the angel with you, and he will destroy all the enemies. And and Moses said, sorry, I'm not going. And God says, because you're not going, nobody's going. Because I love the way you seek the reward of my presence. Amen. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much today. We thank you for your heart for us, Father, that you never judge us, that you took all your judgments out on your son on the cross. So that we do not have to be judged anymore, Lord. But, but there is a passion in your heart to long to get closer to us for. And Lord, you long for us to have the same passion for your presence every day of our lives. And Lord, I pray that, that we will shift our focus to the reward that Moses had. The reward that he had in his eyesight to say, Lord, it's either you or nothing. It's either your presence or I'll stay in the suffering with your presence rather without it. And Father, help us this morning and even this December where it's so much about material stuff. We walk into Christmas and a Christmas season where we will see your presence as the greatest gift in our lives. And that we will focus on on your love for us and and who you are in our lives, Lord, and, and that that our perspective will change from all about me to all about you. So, Lord, come and touch us this morning. Touch our hearts. Lord, I pray that you will give us capacity. That you make us res- res- resilient for this last couple of weeks, for this year, for those who are struggling through deadlines and things that they have to finish Father I pray that you lift that burden from our shoulders this morning and Lord I pray for moments in your presence every morning that will as we come in that we will go out in your power Lord thank you for for your constant presence come and change our awareness every day that you are constant and you never change. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.zae.